This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.13, good morning to you from WGNS on this Tuesday, today, January the 12th. And for this morning's show, we are headed to St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital, where we have with us Dr. David Sellers this morning. Doctor, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I guess to start the show off, first give us a little bit about your background and, and what you do and how you're seeing COVID-19 really, I don't know, just grow. Oh yeah, it, it's growing. Um, so I'm I'm the lead hospitalist or the the head hospitalist at St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital here in Murfreesboro, and and I also serve as the chief of staff um, for the hospital as well. And so with my role as the hospitalist, we take care of the lion's share of of COVID patients here. So yeah, the the county is really um, increasing, as we all know the amount of COVID positive patients that are coming. And unfortunately, as a byproduct of that, many of them are being hospitalized here at the hospital. You know, there are so many myths surrounding the COVID vaccine. And I think one reason for that is because it all happened so quickly. I I mean, when you look at the timeline of when the COVID outbreak started and then to today, the vaccine came along. And I think that's one thing that kind of makes people a little skeptical, you know, if I should get it or if I should not get it. Yes, yes, I, I do understand that. But what people don't understand is how it happened so quickly. The science behind the vaccine was not shorted at all. Uh, they did the phase one, the phase two, the phase three trials, like any medicine or, or therapeutic or vaccine that comes on the market would get. But what they did kind of shorten was the bureaucracy around all of the uh, approval for the vaccine, meaning that most most medications when they come to market, the, the studies have been done, but it sits on a shelf for a year or more before anyone even decides if it's going to be approved or not. But with this vaccine, they approved it right away. So they looked at the data right away uh, instead of putting it in the queue to be looked at a year later. And so that's where they cut the time out. And so people really need to know that the science and the safety behind this vaccine is solid. You know, it's it's almost humorous when you look at some of the myths on social media, on the internet, uh, just hearing myths and conversation with people all around the state. It, it's just some of the myths are so far stretched and out there that I don't even know how people can make sense of the myth itself. Like, here's one. COVID-19 vaccines will alter my DNA. I, I mean... <laughs> How could you even think that? Yeah, well, I, I think it's someone just, uh, it's someone's thought. Uh, this is a novel vaccine in, in which uh, it uses messenger RNA that actually uses your cell to make the antigen, as we call it, that your body reacts to to defeat the virus. So when they hear that and they say, well, it's going to go into your cell and it's going to you know, alter your DNA, it doesn't. It goes into your cell, the protein is made, and then the messenger RNA is dissolved 
um, by the cell itself. So it doesn't alter your, your DNA. It uses your cell to create the immunity for this virus is what it does. And it's, it's very safe and actually a very ingenious way to, to create a virus. You know, I, I think we're living in a world where people want answers immediately. They want to know everything at the click of a button. And I think because of that reason, people turn to the Internet to diagnose their problems, to diagnose their illness. And I'm sure you have patients who come in telling you, well, I have this, this, and this, so it means I've got whatever it is. And then nine times out of ten, I would say usually they're a little wrong. Yeah. So same yeah. same would be true with COVID and the COVID vaccine. Right. I, yeah. I, there's a lot out on the Internet. There's a lot out on social media. But I just would strongly encourage people to talk to your physician, uh, talk to medical people who do this for a living to get the answers and, and don't believe everything you see out there because most of it's not true. Dr. David Sellers with us this morning with St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. And, you know, one question that I've heard asked a lot is, if I do get vaccinated for COVID-19, does this mean I will no longer have to wear a mask? I would say that people should still wear a mask probably until we get enough people that get the vaccine to where we have herd immunity. And that and that is going to mean that about 70% of the population gets vaccinated. And the reason I say that is because even though you get the vaccine, you still have a chance to get the virus itself, but you may not be sick with the virus. So you're, you're walking around normal, not even knowing that you're carrying the virus. And then you come in contact with someone who's vulnerable, who if they do get the virus, that they can get really sick with it. So I think we all need to be safe. And even though we get the vaccine, we still need to be, we still need to wear our masks so that we can protect other people potentially. You know, one of the big things we're hearing lots of people talk about would be the side effects of the vaccine. But yet I've talked to those who have gotten the vaccine and they said, you know, really all I had was a sore arm. I didn't have any problems or anything. And that kind of leads me to, where you stand, you were actually one of the first to get the vaccine within St. Thomas Rutherford, right? Yes, so, I was. I was the first to St. Thomas Rutherford. I had that honor. So, so tell us, what was the aftermath, if there was any at all? Uh, my arm was sore, and that's, that's going to happen for about 83% of the people who get this vaccine. I had a little tenderness, nothing serious in my arm, and that occurred after the first and the second um dose of the vaccine that I got. But th there are side effects that can't happen with the vaccine. A fair amount of people will feel tired the day after they get the vaccine. Uh, other people may get some chills or some fever even after the vaccine. But those side effects are very short-lived, like one to three days at the most. Usually it's about one day. And so I don't think people should be very fearful of the side effects of this vaccine. It's the side effects from almost every vaccine that we get. Now, with the vaccine being given in large numbers, uh, it may take, I guess, a little while if you go to get the vaccine, if you're on the list to get one, because you got to wait around another, what is it, 15 minutes after the vaccine so that they can make sure that there are no negative side effects, right? 
Right. What they're watching for is a is an anaphylactic reaction, or people have problems breathing, or have a very serious reaction to the vaccine. And we're just out of an abundance of caution, um, we do that here at the hospital. We had no negative uh, side effects that 15 minute period after the vaccine, and we're vaccinating hundreds of people here. Dr. David Sellers with us with St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital talking about the COVID vaccine. And for those who are going to get the vaccine, who carry an EpiPen with them, I understand they should probably, well, of course, tell the person giving the shot, you know, this is, I, I carry an EpiPen and I'm allergic to XYZ, but keep the EpiPen with you the full day after the shot. Is that right? Yes. Uh, just as, again, out of an abundance of caution, we advise people to do that, especially if they've had a, if they have a very strong allergic reaction to anything else. Now, here's another myth that I came across. It is uh, the COVID-19 vaccine was developed to control the population with a microchip uh, being planted in your arm or in your brain. And again, that's the uh, that's the Internet. (laughs) But nothing being planted. My my 15 year old son actually broke that rumor to me or that uh, that conspiracy theory, I would say. And I found it very humorous. no, there is no chip. There's no microchip in this vaccine to control us. Uh, and, and if you think about it, I mean, we all kind of carry our microchip with us on our cell phone, and it follows around us around everywhere, and we voluntarily allow it to do that. So I, I just find that funny. This is, no, This that is definitely a conspiracy theory that I don't, there's no truth to. And here is another myth that says more people will die as a result of a negative side effect to the COVID-19 vaccine versus dying from the virus itself. And, I, you know, th- there's no studies showing anything like that. No, there's not. The, the, the safety of the two vaccines that are on the market right now in the United States from Pfizer, um, they, they don't show any... Um, ill effects uh, like nothing compared to what the virus does and what we see it do on a daily basis here in the United States. I mean, anyone can watch the news and just see the death rates just rise. So my suggestion to people is, you know, please take this vaccine because this is the only thing that's going to get us out of this really dark period of our history. Now, right now in Tennessee, there are certain people who are eligible to get the vaccine, but not everybody is eligible at this point. Now, that's probably going to change, I would say, in years to come, because this is likely a virus, just like the flu, that's going to stick around for quite some time. But right now, those who are eligible would be the first responders, who I believe most have gotten it, and then those who work in the front line, in the hospitals, in the clinics, the doctor's offices. uh, Those are all folks who have already gotten it more than likely. And then you have the elderly, 75 plus. Now, why is it they're recommending so much more so those who are 75 plus than those who are under the age of 75 get the vaccine? Um, Those are the most vulnerable people in our community. Uh, So if they get the vaccine, uh, they have a a higher risk of having a bad outcome. Uh, I mean, not the vaccine, but the virus. If they get the virus itself, they have a higher uh, chance to have a bad outcome being in the hospital or or even worse. And so we have to protect 
those vulnerable people first before we allow other less vulnerable people to get the vaccine. Just because, you know, the supply of the vaccine isn't where we want it to be now. They're kind of ramping up the supply as we speak. In the beginning of the COVID pandemic, we heard so much about silent carriers of COVID-19. But as the last couple of months have displayed, we haven't heard as much about silent carriers in the news as we heard originally. So is that still a big problem, those who have COVID and don't realize it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, We see it daily here in the hospital. It's very interesting. We'll have a person that is here in the hospital for unrelated reason, you know, other than COVID. And a lot of nursing homes, um, they require you to get a test for COVID prior to sending a patient to their facility just so that they, uh, they know that this patient is negative before they come into their facility. And you'd be surprised on the amount of people that we test that are asymptomatic from COVID itself that actually have COVID. Um, and so that is still in our community. Um, we all know that, that people that are young that have COVID, they have very minimal uh, symptoms from it a lot of the time. And so they still can spread this, you know, virus. And so it still needs to be taken care of. And that's why we still should practice social distancing and also wear our mask and do those common sense things to mitigate the spread of this virus. Doctor, have you ever seen something like this in your time of being in the world of medicine, or is this a first for you too? Oh, this is definitely a first. Um, this is, I've been practicing medicine for over 20 years, and I have never seen anything like this. And I'm always telling uh, people that, that this is a, um, hopefully it's a once-in-a-lifetime event. Hopefully we will not have a repeat of anything like this in my lifetime. You know, it it almost has a feel of being in a third world country because when you're in a third world world country, diseases and and viruses spread so quickly because there is a lack of medicine and a lack of care for those who are patients. And it's just something about the whole COVID-19 spreading is just, it it is scary for sure. Yes, it is. I can see your point that that is true because it's, so easily and we have very little to combat it at this point um, and so you put the combination of those two things together and it, be, and it gives you this horrible pandemic that we're in. You know when you look at the symptoms of COVID-19 one that stands out to me is that loss of taste loss of yes. smell and yes. that that's got to be an unusual feeling because I can't really I, I I've had a cold before, but I'm so sick, I may not notice I have a loss of taste. But some folks, they don't have any other symptoms other than that loss of taste and smell. Yeah, that's true. Some some people, that's all they they have is, are, is just that lack of taste and smell, as you say. And that's the only symptom. And that, that should be a red flag that, hey, I have COVID. So therefore, even if you don't have the respiratory symptoms or any of the other uh worrisome symptoms you, you you need to get tested and you need to you know realize that you can be a spreader to that virus so you have to be extra cautious and self-isolate yourself you know we've talked to people who have COVID-19 and the big thing they talk about are the waves of fatigue they feel in fact they will start feeling better then an hour later the fatigue hits them so hard it's hard for them to even go up their steps in their house to get to their bedroom I, I, yeah. I, I can't 
is the fatigue really that bad? Uh, yeah, it's pretty significant for some people who get that symptom. Not everybody gets it the same. Uh, that's the most interesting thing to me for this virus. Not everybody gets the same symptoms with it. But for people that get significant malaise and fatigue from this virus, it can be profound. It can just keep you in the bed. Um, and where you were, just like you said, you just don't feel like getting up. You don't have the energy to get up and do anything. When we hear the state of Tennessee, their Department of Health, talking about we have X number of vaccines available, is that throughout the whole state, or do private hospitals have their own supply of the COVID vaccine? So um, all of the vaccine is being distributed by the government. The government has purchased all the vaccines. Uh, from the two companies that are manufacturing it, and it's being uh, distributed to the states on the state level. And that's kind of how we, at the hospital, got our supply. It was from the federal government. Hey, I noticed there is a confusion, and I don't know if it's a lack of communication between the government and citizens in Tennessee, but there is some confusion about where those who are 75 plus who are eligible to get the shot, where they can go to actually get the vaccine. Can they come to the hospital? No, we, uh, the hospital, we are giving it to the first line, uh, responders, if you will, the physicians, nurses, and techs, you know, the people who actually work here in the hospital. So the just regular citizens of Rutherford County who meet the criteria, which is in, um, the phase that you mentioned earlier, people who are other first responders who don't work in the hospital, residents of nursing homes, uh, people who work in nursing homes, uh, people 75 um, years and older, um, they can go online uh, to uh, the Rutherford County Health Department site and they can find information in which they can sign up and get an appointment to get the vaccine. And, and here in Rutherford County, it's being given at the State Farm building um, out on Memorial um, Boulevard. Yeah, and, and that sounds like a good system where you, you go, and from what I understand, you stay in your vehicle and they have a tent set up and you pull into that now, uh, which, which all sounds like a great system. But there again, I don't think, I don't, I think this all happened so fast, it was hard to really figure out what the state should do in dispersing these shots because this is all new. I, I agree with you. Um, it's very new. It's, it's, it's very fast moving. Um, they're doing the best they can to get this administered to the, the most people that, that they can get it to possibly, especially vulnerable people. Um, but people have to realize that even though there may be some frustration in the system, they have to bear with it. It will get better with time because, as you said, it's, it's brand new. I mean, people are literally creating these processes um, very quickly. And, and like you were mentioning, the uh, county health departments all across the state, they're the ones who are booking the appointments for people in phase one of the population in order to to get this shot and that includes those who are 75 and up who wish to receive the vaccine but it's the the local health departments that are putting this together for the citizens whereas uh, the hospital for example st thomas you guys vaccinate there for hospital staff specifically exactly. right exactly okay exactly and if you want to find your phase to find when you're eligible you can do so through the state's website and I believe they set up a special website for it. It's covid19.tn.gov. 
and there you'll be able to get more information on the different phases and find out what phase we're in each month as the months progress and this really is something that's going to be taking place all throughout the year the different phases are scheduled all throughout the year first quarter second quarter so it is something that is going to take a while to actually vaccinate those who need the vaccine it's going to take some right. time yeah so everybody 16 years and older will ultimately be able to get the vaccine but they're starting with the higher risk people as we talked about earlier and then they will go down to the lower risk people until they get the very low risk people in which they're anticipating the low risk people won't be eligible to get the vaccine until late March or April. So yeah, you're right. It, this is going to be a year-long process. Dr. David Sellers with us with St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital talking about the COVID-19 vaccine. In your expert opinion, would you say for sure this is a vaccine that is safe and people do need this, especially if they're in certain groups such as 75 plus? Yes, absolutely. I I definitely, I wouldn't have taken the vaccine myself if I did not feel it was safe. Um, and this is the only thing that is going to get us out of this pandemic that we're in. So I strongly encourage people to take this vaccine. So when you get this COVID vaccine, a question, another question I've heard people ask is, is there actually a live COVID virus, if you would, inside that vaccine, inside the ingredients of it? No, that's what makes this such a novel uh, virus. A lot of, uh, not virus, the vaccine, a lot of vaccines use a weakened virus um, as its agent for you to build immunity. But this actually uses, as we spoke about earlier, a messenger RNA, which enables your body to produce a protein that is on the coat of the virus that your body then recognizes as foreign. So if it later on comes in contact with the virus, your immune system is primed to attack that virus and to uh, hopefully defeat it in your system. And if it doesn't totally defeat it, then you'll just get a small viral load just to have a, a minor infection. Now, again, going back to some of the myths here that you find on social media and all throughout the Internet, uh, somebody wrote, I already had COVID-19, and I have recovered, so I don't need the vaccine. Well, from, from what we know, people who've had COVID um, before, um, there are well-documented cases where they can get COVID again. But, we, but you do mount a response to this virus, even if you, you've had the, uh, the, the COVID back, uh, virus and you got sick with virus. But we, we're thinking that it's that immunity lasts for at least three months. And then after that time, we think that you're, um, you can possibly get the infection again. Now, what we have already seen uh, over the last couple of months, really, we've seen different versions of COVID-19, the virus, because we're now hearing about a UK version that's made its way into the United States through California first. And that UK version of COVID-19 is apparently a different strain or it's stronger? What What is the deal with that? Well, that strain um, is actually, it's easier to spread between people. Um, but when they look at the, the, what we call the virulence or how sick it makes you, it doesn't appear to make you sicker than what we know as COVID-19. So 
you can catch it easier, but it shouldn't cause any more harm. And and the vac- the vaccine should still work against uh, this new strain of this virus. Well, that's definitely good to hear then, because uh, this vaccine is available now for certain groups of people and it would really stink to know that it wouldn't protect you against all the different versions of COVID-19 that could be out there in the future and I I guess new versions new strains could come about in the future so that you know that is a question though will new strains come out I, I don't I don't know how viruses change and I don't understand how the strains of the viruses change so maybe touch base on that a little bit well they um genetic uh, material and so where they just kind of uh, modify or they just kind of adapt and change and a good example of that would be the flu vaccine in which we all know that we have to take a flu vaccine every year because the flu vaccine it changes and there's different ones that become dominant um, in, in the world at a particular time but people have to realize that the flu vaccine has been around for you know, millennia. I mean, it's been around for a long time, so it's had a long time to change and have different versions of itself, whereas this COVID vaccine, this is a novel virus. I keep saying vaccine. I'm sorry. The the COVID virus, the 19, is a novel virus to humanity, and so there's just a few different versions of it at this time, so our vaccines should be very potent and working against it. Now we have another question that was uh, texted to WGNS. It says, if I am 76 and my wife will be 75 come July, can we both go ahead and get vaccinated together or do we have to go at separate times? Again, he's 76, it says, and his wife will be 75 in about six months. Ah, that's a great question. Um, I don't work for the health department, so I can't answer that um, you know, I don't know their policy, but I think that he has a good, um, I, I think they should at least allow the, when he makes his appointment, he should allow them to know his situation and maybe they will make an allowance for that. Yeah, a great idea there. Uh, when you look at how many vaccinations were supplied to d- different counties, if, for example, Rutherford County got 50,000 doses of it to vaccinate 50,000 residents, that's actually 100,000, I guess, vials of the medicine because it's a two-dose situation where you have to get the first, then you have to get a, a second dose of it yeah. in yeah. about 20 to 28 days. But where do they store that many doses of the COVID vaccine? And do they have to be refrigerated? How do they do that? Well, the Moderna can be refrigerated in just a uh, regular refrigerator, but the uh, Pfizer vaccine, it has to be in a deep freeze. Um, I mean, very, very cold temperatures. And so, yeah, mostly the medical facilities are going to have um, uh, refrigerators in which it can be stored like that. And I think what happens is because you can't ship it all at one time, you ship the first dose now and you give that out. And then so the government is storing this or, or the manufacturing companies themselves are storing it. And then later on, when it's time for that second dose, then they ship more product out to the uh, state so that they can get those second doses. Health departments, especially in some of the more rural areas of Tennessee, they were not prepared to 
have enough storage space for all these vaccines coming in over, you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks at a time. So that had to have been kind of hard for Tennessee to orchestrate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is all this is all going so fast. And I think people are doing an incredible job in organizing this on such a short time frame here. But it's so important for us, too. I mean, because we everyone here knows how this has changed all of our lives. And so we have to step up to the plate and make this work. And I think people are doing an incredible job. It may not be perfect, but they're doing an incredible job in making this work. Again, with us this morning, Dr. David Sellers. And uh, in just a minute, we're going to we're going to focus more on those who are pregnant and if they should get vaccinated. And we've got another guest coming on the air in just a second with that. But, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been very informational, a lot of good stuff coming out this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. You have a good rest of the day. You too. Time right now, 841. You're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning, talking about the COVID-19 vaccine, if you should get vaccinated and also diving into the different phases of when people can get vaccinated. We'll do that, too, in just a second, right after this break. First, a check on the weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-40s. West winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies and a low of 21. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 25. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at DemasRestaurants.com Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com Old friends, new name, better together as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Good morning. Traffic still holding up. I-24 coming in from Coffee County into Rutherford. Just watch your speed. Be careful out here in some of this fog. Hopefully it'll burn off sooner than later. Traffic still looks pretty good as far as rags. Hey, check out the Andre Chicken Sandwich now available at Princess Hot Chicken, 5814 Nolensville Pike. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. News time right now, 8.44. You're tuned in to WGNS again on this Tuesday morning on the airwaves since 1947. This morning we're talking about COVID-19 and the COVID vaccine. And we ironed out, I guess, uh, 
or debunked a lot of myths so far this morning. Now joining us, Dr. Cornelia Graves. And uh, doctor, we're going to talk a little bit about pregnancy and those who are pregnant. What are the chances of them getting COVID-19 versus everyone else out there? So pregnant women actually are more likely to get any type of a viral illness. Uh, the COVID-19, the flu, um, uh, other illnesses as well. During pregnancy, the immune system is actually suppressed so that the baby, um, so that the baby is not rejected. Uh, so therefore, pregnant women are actually more likely to catch the disease than the non-pregnant population. And if they do get COVID-19, what kind of difficulties could they face that maybe we haven't heard about? Because you don't hear in the news a lot about those who are pregnant being at risk of COVID, but like you're saying, it is, they're, they're more so at risk. So if pregnant women become, um, uh, uh, get COVID-19, they're more likely to be hospitalized. Uh, I was talking to one of my infectious disease specialists, and he was saying he rarely sees anyone in the hospital under 50 uh, with COVID who's not pregnant. They're, more, they're three times more likely to end up in the ICU because of the change in uh, uh, how one breathes when they're pregnant and, and how things uh, go along with that. And then they're two times more likely to end up on the ventilator than the general population. You know, and that is scary because those who are, are pregnant, a lot of them, this may be their first child, and they're already nervous because the, it is their first child. So going through something else on top of having a baby would be tough. Very much so. And then, of course, I remind people because they'll say, well, yes, uh, and I, we've had pregnant women who we have put on the ventilator. They come off the ventilator. Uh, but if you're in that area where we, you know, 30, 28 to 34 weeks, then there's always the consideration of when to deliver your baby. So you may end up with a preterm baby in addition to being on the ventilator as well. You know, unfortunately, with COVID-19, it has come with an assortment of disinformation. In fact, there's been campaigns even that people have created that are circulating online on social media just telling people wrong information and one of those campaigns talks about those who are pregnant and it tells people you shouldn't get vaccinated whereas what you're saying it's just the opposite that is correct and the american college of obstetrics and gynecology and the society of maternal fetal medicine uh, for which i uh, am a previous board member that's the society for high-risk pregnancy uh, offers and encourages pregnant women to uh, be, have the vaccine available and to have a conversation with their provider about getting the vaccine. Now, let's go to this high-risk pregnancy group because you've got ICUs all across America where women come in who are pregnant and they come in sometimes three, four months before the birth date is, before the birth is due. And that said, some of them are in the hospital for weeks at a time. But these are the folks who definitely, sounds like, should get vaccinated as opposed to them thinking they shouldn't get vaccinated. Absolutely. Just like any other um, group of patients, you know, I tell people that, you know, pay, I, we, all I see in my office are people who have high-risk pregnancies, diabetes, high blood pressure, BMI greater than 35 when they start their pregnancy, heart problems. Any of those women are at risk or greater risk for having complications and serious complications, um, uh, just like the general population would be at risk. Now, one of the myths that I read about online this morning, it talked about 
COVID-19, and it said that it was made using fetal tissue, which obviously is not true, but I don't know where that came from, or I don't even know how you could think that. Well, you know, a lot of times, a lot of things that we, um, vaccines and things, are vaccines, medicines, are grown on human tissue of some type. Um, in fact, uh, we culture things on blood. Uh, blood grows great things great. Um, and so, therefore, people can take these little piece, bits and pieces and make them into disinformation. Uh, but, no, this not made of, the, the, the vaccine is not made of fetal tissue or fetal parts. Absolutely not. Now, speaking of disinformation, can the vaccine cause infertility or could it cause a miscarriage at all? Absolutely not. And so that comes from, you know, there's a spike protein, those little things you see that make the um, COVID look like a, a soccer ball with spikes coming out. Those are the spike proteins that a, vac- that a vaccine targets. It looks like the spike protein, so you will make antibodies, i.e., uh, things that can fight off the co- the coronavirus. Well, um, someone thought that that protein was like another protein um, that um, uh, is needed for implantation. But this vaccine, those are two separate proteins. They don't even look alike. And so this vaccine would have no effect on implantation, fertility, or uh, increasing the risk of miscarriage. Now, there are currently study groups out there where, for example, Pfizer is looking at and studying and following women who are pregnant who have been vaccinated, and they continue to follow them up until the birth date. And from what I've read so far, there haven't been any negative side effects. That is correct. We're also, um, I have a study, the CDC is conducting a study looking at uh, lactating women, women who are breastfeeding, uh, to determine whether or not that there's any side effects for for breastfeeding. But what we do know from the flu vaccine, and keeping in mind that H1N1 was horrible for pregnant women, um, what we do know from that is that when you make antibodies, those antibodies are passed on to the baby, so the vaccine may actually be beneficial for your baby early on. Again, talking about COVID-19, the COVID vaccine, and now we're talking about those who are pregnant and if they should get the vaccine, if they are eligible to get the vaccine. And and I guess the biggest question, uh, again, our guest, Dr. Cornelia Graves, but is someone who is pregnant, are they eligible? Absolutely. And in fact, I will tell you that the OB doctors initially... Uh, the hospital systems were thinking not about not vaccinating pregnant women. And my phone was blowing up from the pregnant OB doctors saying, you've got to advocate for us. We need to get the vaccine. So the vaccine is available with a, a signed um, a consent from your provider. So if you go to your doctor, tell them, hey, I've looked at the risk and benefits. I've decided I want the vaccine. They can sign your consent. You can go get vaccinated. If someone, and, go, go ahead, I'm go sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, especially. Uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I was going to say, especially those um, healthcare workers who are working on the front line, who are pregnant. Now, if somebody is pregnant and they do get COVID nineteen, what, what, what are the side effects? What are the symptoms? And are they, you know, ten times worse than someone who is not pregnant? So some women are asymptomatic. They don't have any symptoms at all. Some women, actually, the first report coming out of New York said that women were more likely to have high blood pressure. Um, But that hasn't panned out across the country. But they can have a a disease uh, that looks very much like um, a disease uh, called preeclampsia. 
uh, which may actually get them delivered. Uh, they're more likely also to bleed or have uh, what we call hemorrhage after delivery. Um, of course, they have the same normal symptoms as anyone else, fever, chills, cough, and uh, but probably what is more pronounced in pregnant women is the shortness of breath. Now, here is a question that was just texted to us, and uh, they ask, they, well, they first state, I just found out I am pregnant as of last week. Can I get the vaccine now, or do I need to wait? And if so, where do I get it? As with all um, pregnant women, I usually uh, recommend that they wait through the first trimester to get the vaccine, so after 12 weeks. Um, it looks like that the vaccine is going to be rolling out uh, hopefully here soon in a, in a much more coordinated method. Um, but uh, you may be able to talk to your provider, and they may be able to get your vaccine at one of the uh, health care facilities here in town. Again, we're talking with Dr. Cornelia Graves with St. Thomas Rutherford, and we're talking about those who are pregnant, may become pregnant, and if they should get vaccinated for COVID-19 or not. And uh, it sounds like you're all on board with getting vaccinated and not you know, holding off on it if you're eligible. Uh, that is correct. I am, um, I am um, on board with getting vaccinated, not holding off. Because as someone who has done critical care obstetrics for quite some time, um, having a patient in the ICU and on the ventilator is um, not only is stressful for the whole the whole team, um, and so we really want to avoid those uh, severe complications of uh, COVID, especially in this patient population. Here in Rutherford County, have we already seen some women who are pregnant come in with COVID nineteen, and had they, or did they have to be put on a ventilator? Uh, yes, uh, Rutherford actually has been a, uh, uh, one of my hot spots uh, for COVID-19. Um, and then one day I had three or four people. I had one patient who, we've had a couple of patients who have gone on to the ventilator. Um, and we had one patient who actually uh, did not, who was six days after delivery, who did not make it, uh, who died before um, uh, being able to be transferred to our, one of our other Ascension hospitals. So it is, um, uh, women still are, are dying from this as well. So I think that that message has to go out. Wow. That, you know, that's scary to hear. So you've actually seen a number of women here in our community actually come down with COVID-19 before or during pregnancy or right after pregnancy, and then they pass away because of it. That's, that's scary. Yes, and, um, and or, you know, they've ended up on the ventilator or they've, um, you know, they may have gotten transferred to downtown to one of to, to the Ascension Hospital and we ended up delivering them at 34 weeks so that we could try to hopefully improve their uh, respiratory dynamics or uh, just enough uh, to put to hopefully send them back the other way and keep them off the ventilator. So those are all of the things women have to think about. Uh, when they are thinking about whether or not they want to elect to get the vaccine. Uh, um, COVID is particularly dangerous in pregnancy. Now, right now here in Rutherford County, our phase that we're in for these vaccinations is phase 1A2, and the age-based phase is 75-plus, and you can make an appointment through the state's website, covid19.tn.gov, if you're in the right phase to go ahead and get vaccinated. But the question I have is, can those who are pregnant go ahead and get this vaccine, or is there a different phase that's coming up where they have to wait? I, I am not sure about that. This morning I did hear on the news that they're thinking of lowering the, the, it to 55. 
uh, and to high-risk groups for which pregnancy would then fall in. Okay, well, that that's positive news there. And all of this information is coming out so fast. And, you know, it's hard to, if you're, you know, average Joe citizen out there, it's hard to keep track of things like what phase we're in, if I'm eligible. And I guess that's why the state has set up a website where you can actually answer some questions and find out first if you are eligible. And then second, you can go ahead and make an appointment with the local health department to get that vaccination. Uh, but yeah, there are so many questions. There is a lot of confusion out there, to say the least. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, we will be able to kind of uh, coordinate this a little better. I think um, there is a that, that pregnant women in particular are never thought of as being in the quote, high risk group. Um, and but that has just come to the attention of the authorities. I will tell you, as, as a medical director, keeping up with the CDC recommendations can almost be a full-time job. I, I bet it can. But yeah, you know, in the news, we have not heard a lot about those who are pregnant getting COVID-19. But in talking to you this morning, it, it does sound very scary if a female were to come down with COVID-19 while pregnant. And, and you have definitely outlined that. There have been deaths tied to this in Rutherford County, our own backyard. So it, it is a scary COVID-19 is very scary. I mean, mean, that's the reality of it. Absolutely, and I think that we have to take it seriously. So even if you're not vaccinated, you still need to do the things that that have been proven to make people safe. Uh, I've been seeing COVID-19 patients since March. I just got my second vaccine yesterday. I thank God I never have gotten COVID, but I always wear my mask. I always wash my hands. And if I'm in a public place, I am very, very particular about socially distancing. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of folks are not really taking serious, it seems like. They're not social distancing. They're not wearing the mask. But those those two things are the two easiest things you can do to protect yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I've been working in this environment, and I have not contracted the virus. I've seen a number of people... Uh, and we didn't even have on full PPE, but she had on a mask and I had on a mask. And even though she was positive, I did not contract the disease. So I think it's very important for people to understand that even as we are vaccinating, masks will not be going away. Now, I only have about a minute and a half left, but we just got texted another question. It says, I am pregnant and uh, my husband wants to know if he should wear a mask around me in our own home. Um probably is probably not going to be that effective uh, simply because you're in close contact with each other. So what your husband needs to do is wear his mask when he's out and really avoid uh, coming in contact uh, with large crowds uh, and things of that nature and be very, very uh, cognizant of the fact that he can bring it home to you. Again, with us this morning, Dr. Cornelia Graves, and we've been talking about the COVID vaccine and for those who are pregnant, if you should get it or if you should not get it. And again, closing this morning, Dr. Graves, you say get the vaccine, especially if you are pregnant. And especially if you have pre-existing medical uh, conditions. Uh, The one patient that we actually have written up during this season was a patient who was uh, uh, was overweight and had diabetes and, and, and high blood pressure. And she ended up on a ventilator, but thankfully came off and went on to deliver a healthy baby. So, it, uh, if you, um, so if you have those conditions, frontline, high risk, um, you de- I definitely am an advocate for you going ahead and getting vaccinated. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And all of this can be found on our website, wgnsradio.com, later on this morning. Again, thank you.